Hello and welcome to the True Travel Podcast with me, Laura Sanders. It's great to be back with you after a brief hiatus. Since the end of season three, I've been to Peru, I completed the Inca Trail, and then I went and ate my way around Estonia's capital of Tallinn for Lonely Planet and Condé Nast, which was really great, and it helps me put on all the weight I'd shedded off hiking the Inca Trail. I would have made it to Sicily as well had it not been for Covid striking me down, but we move. And now kicking things off with me for season four is award-winning travel journalist Jess Vincent. Jess started writing about travel a few years ago and it wasn't long before she scored commissions with the big names winning awards for her words. She's covered South America extensively, penning tales about the hidden hikes and the ancient caviar of Mexico. She also grew up in Spain, so she knows where to go to get truly authentic food and hospitality. Then lockdown hit, so while she was grounded, she got her fix by burying her head in the great work of other travel writers. Which is when she came up with the idea of collating all of these stories into one big anthology. And so, the best British travel writing of the 21st century was born. She's here to tell us about the mammoth task of selecting stories for the book, as well as reflecting on some of her favourite adventures. All of that and more from this week's guest, Jess Vincent. Remember, if you haven't done already, hit subscribe so you never miss out on a new episode. And you can see more from the podcast on social media by searching The True Travel Podcast. So Jess, it's absolutely lovely to have you on with me to talk about your new book and all of your adventures. Just start by telling me, you know, about one of your earliest adventures and how you got into what you do today. Oh, well, thanks for having me, first off. Um, Lovely to be here. Uh, My first big adventure, well, it was probably about, it was about four, God, I don't know if it's four or five years now, Um, but it was a while ago. I just graduated uni and I spent nine months working uh, for a travel app in London as an intern. And I all I wanted to do was travel. I would I would be at work. I would, you know, be in the travel industry, watching all these amazing, you know, influencers, bloggers going to all these incredible places. And yeah, I just couldn't get it out of my head. So I saved and saved and saved for about nine months. I saved all my money. And then I booked a one-way flight to Cuba. And from there, um, it was meant to be, you know, I had in my mind that I would try and go as long as possible, kind of spend as little as possible so that the travels could continue. And I did do that, but I didn't come home for another three years. So um, a little kind of what I thought might be a year maximum ended up being a three-year trip through Central and South America and what eventually led me to be a travel journalist. That's amazing. So you didn't initially set out to be a travel journalist. It's something that you sort of decided to do while you were out there to write about the places you'd been to? Yeah, I think... It was always in the back of the, of my mind that I'd loved. I, I, I've loved travel writing. I'd always loved reading travel writing. I loved to write anyway, but I didn't really know. It sounds weird looking back, but I didn't really know that that could be a job, a full-time job. And at least I didn't think it was accessible to me because I hadn't done a journalism degree. 
I didn't know anyone in the travel media world. So it kind of felt very like an impossible goal for me. It was maybe at the back of my mind, but never something I believed that could be possible. And you've got to remember that like five years ago, even though there was lots of influencers and bloggers, I wasn't exposed to that many travel journalists online because they're not that. They are now. I see a lot more people being active, but it wasn't as common. It was much more influencers. And that, to me, it just didn't... I knew that I couldn't be necessarily that influencer that made all my money, you know, by going to these places and taking amazing photography. I wanted to write. So at the time, I didn't really have that role model, which made it difficult. But um, eventually, once I was traveling, uh, I looked into it more and I began to pitch my stories to publications and slowly, slowly got there in the end. Fantastic. And now you are a multi-award winning travel journalist. So that's that's really fantastic to achieve all of that in just five years, just a short space of time. So congrats. And I think it's an important message you've, you've sort of put out there is that you don't need a journalism degree. I mean, a lot of us do have to have journalism degrees these days to, to get in there, but you don't need to. If you've got that flair, you've got that talent and you put yourself out there, then you're just proof that, you know, you can go on to achieve that. That's great. So what was one of uh, one of your earliest stories then? Because I've seen some of your stories online, um, you know, in Mexico, Mexico's caviar and, and trekking through all of these off the beaten path places. What was one of your first stories? Can you remember? Oh gosh, um, probably really bad ones that I don't want to share. Um, no, but um, my earliest, I do remember my first commission because it's a big deal. It's, a, um, you know, when when you haven't written for anyone before. And actually, I started traveling four or five years ago, but really, I didn't get my name in a big publication Um only I only two years ago I worked for the BBC for the first time, which was my big, big, big publication. But before that, I my first one was Matador Network. I don't know if you've heard. Yeah, you're nodding, nodding your head. Um, so yeah, Matador Network at the time, you know, for me it was such a big thing that I just got something published. I didn't care where it was. I just had something on the internet out, you know, out there in a, in a travel publication. And Matador Network and Culture Trip were two publications that I worked with for a little while, while I was kind of building up my portfolio. I wasn't, didn't consider myself a full-time travel writer. I would just do it here and there. You know, if I had a story, I would, I would, and I would get something like $40 for an article, which is, terrible it's so bad um, and I wouldn't recommend that writers work for $40 an article but I was just so so excited that someone paid me money to, to um, travel that's it isn't it yeah you, you they could pay you a fiver just just exactly 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 a fiver would it would have done it so yes they were my first and what was it about I think it was about my first one um, was about Spanish foods or something like that. So I could write about that because I grew up in Spain. And so it's something I felt really comfortable with. So if anyone out there's listening to this and wants to get into travel journalism, then a good way to do it is to look at kind of topics that you already know about, something that, you know, not everyone has, like me, grown up in Spain. So it was something that I could offer. So if you are kind of 
thinking of going onto this into this crazy path um definitely look at what you can you can give something something different um so you grew up in spain amazing do you speak spanish i do i do yeah oh great so traveling to south america already you've got an advantage if you speak spanish it did it did definitely having a second language really helps but even just learning a few phrases uh, goes a long way as well. Uh, you'd be surprised when you are in places like Peru, especially if you go outside the cities and go to the more rural areas of Peru, just being able to say please and thank you and hello goes so, so far. So, yeah. And it's so easy, isn't it, just to pick up a few phrases. It's it's not a lot of hassle at all. So that comes on very nicely to my next question then, going, you know, going out the cities off the beaten path. You've hiked the Camino Copolita. Is that how you say it? Yeah. 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 And um, according to your article, that's very, um, not very often that outsiders get to go on that. So how did that come about and how did you manage to go on that? And, and what did you see and experience? Yeah, the Copalita Trail uh, is still to this day one of my favourite things that I've ever done. Um, I was living in Mexico at the time. I spent six months in Mexico and I, I went to Oaxaca for the first time. I was living in the city of Oaxaca. Uh, which, by the way, is amazing as well. Definitely, Oaxaca is a beautiful city with so much to offer. But while I was there, I wanted to do some hiking. And I did a lot of research uh, online. I asked friends that were living around. And there was kind of this, there was a hint at that there might be this trail, but no one really knew what it was called. It was very kind of, there wasn't much information about it at all. But the more I, I researched it, and it's particularly when I started researching in Spanish, this Copalita Trail came up. I saw the name. And uh, I got in touch with with the people that are organising it. And they only do, I think I, they might have changed it now, but they were only doing one hike a month at the time. And they'd only been doing it for a couple of years. And this is going through indigenous land that previous to this wasn't open to outsiders. Or at least, you know, you would, if you went there, you would risk people stopping you and saying, hey, this is our private land which is fair enough because it wasn't it they use it to grow their crops they use it for their housing everything so it wasn't just freely open for anyone to walk through but through this initiative tourists can now come it's a very small group so i think there was me and four or five others in the group and you go with with the people that are living there so they take you from village to village and in each village someone different from the community takes you and you get to hike from the mountains at the highest point in Oaxaca all the way to the sea to the coast in Mexico so it's a, an amazing trip I mean that you see every kind of landscape because the climate changes as you go from the top you're in the forest uh through a cloud forest and then you go through the jungle and then you finish at the coast and you actually the last few days you raft your way to the coast which is amazing so yeah I don't want to give loads away because obviously people need to experience this themselves but it's you get to see a part of Mexico then that not a lot of people get to see unfortunately because a lot of people stay in Cancun or Mexico City but there are a lot of amazing hikes that are safe to do and that also contribute to um, the economy in in towns that don't normally get to see any tourism dollars so that helps as well. 
Oh, it sounds amazing, an amazing trek, and it sounds amazing what they're doing as well. So how many countries have you visited so far, Jess? Oh, do you know what? I've, I've never counted. I, I, do you know, everybody I, says the same. Oh, I've never counted. Um, and then it's usually about 50 or something. I don't think I've ever counted. I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. So I don't want to start like just you know, counting on my fingers how many. Um it's a few. I think it's a few. I've been traveling. A fair few. A fair few, let's say. But yeah, I, I'm, I haven't actually counted. I'm at, I've started, I've changed my way of travel a little bit as well. I used to be one of the, I think I, I mentioned this in my foreword in the, in the book, um, but that I used to be one of those people that just wanted to see as many places as I could uh, go as far away as possible. You know, I, I didn't want to go anywhere close to England. I wanted it to be really exciting and different. But now I have slowed down a little bit and I do actually really enjoy going back to places that I've already been to and also just staying longer in in places so so for, you know when I said I went to Mexico I was meant to go all around South America and I, and I stayed put for six months so um yeah it definitely I haven't been the one to tally up countries that much anymore but I like it that way <laughs> it's good fun yeah absolutely really get to know a place which is one of the privileges you could say of being in this line of work is that especially if you're freelance you can settle down you can work remotely now everyone's working remotely since the pandemic and do you think the pandemic's changed your attitude to travel at all yeah definitely it definitely has and it is it's definitely made me appreciate travel a lot more I'm sure lots of people said the same but travel was a huge privilege it always has been for people like you and I um, who are fortunate enough to be able to do it but before, I don't think I really fully appreciated just how much of a privilege it is until I couldn't travel and no one around me could travel. So it's definitely made me appreciate it a lot more. And um, as I said, I now I'm not so focused on getting away as far away as I possibly can. I've actually really enjoyed traveling closer to home and just seeing travel as a tool to expand my knowledge and something that I can apply everywhere it doesn't matter where I go whereas before I was very you know travelers going to the jungles of Mexico and that that's not not my my view anymore <laughs> that's really interesting that you say that and I totally relate to that I, I think it's part of me that still just wants to get away as far as possible and I think the pandemic's had something to do with that I've been trapped at home all this time um but I totally get where you're coming from anywhere even if I just hopped across to France or even in this country if I found you know I found a lovely country walk last week and just to take that idea of being away from home somewhere different somewhere new whether it's 10 miles down the down the road or halfway around the world if you take on that attitude that you are somewhere new somewhere different then you can find an adventure anywhere can't you yeah absolutely lovely so tell me about some of your other adventures then you've um you've clearly done a lot of South America so where else have you been oh where else um I've traveled obviously I grew up in Spain I do a lot of work in Spain for Nat Geo Traveller I've just come back from Galicia in the north of Spain, which quite a lot of, but I think people just miss Galicia out when they think of Spain. They, the south is really popular. The cities are really popular. But Galicia in the north was stunning. It's so green. Um, it's got 
an amazing cuisine. The food is is absolutely brilliant if you go to Galicia. They actually have these restaurants. They're called Furanchos. They're little um, restaurants run by the winemakers. So they just open up their houses and you walk around just trying to find the signs. They just hang a little bay leaf outside their house, which means they're open for business. You can go in um, and they serve you this incredible meal, home cooked by normally the mums or the grandmas in that in the kitchen. And they just they, they serve you the wine that they've got left over from from the harvest in milk bottles it's just like for a euro you get this milk bottle of wine so it's great fun and everyone kind of it's, it feels like a big party and you know you can just turn up and and that's that's the experience you have so yeah I've been been around you know Central and South America have been like my two big big travels but pre-covid but now I'm doing a lot closer to home in mainly Spain actually the last the last few months that's fantastic. I mean, what's more authentic than that, than literally sitting in somebody's kitchen, being served wine straight from where it's come from in a milk bottle and and just, <laughs> you know, this this idea of a big Spanish family and this big meal. And, and that's very much part of the culture, isn't it, over there? You, you bond over food and everyone shares and, oh, it just sounds amazing. And, and now I want to go there. So you, you've converted me. Um Good, you should go. Definitely. It's on the list, (laughs) the ever growing list. So let's move on to your book then. So, just for people listening, the (laughs) best British travel writing of the 21st century has now been published. And it's a collection of, well, what it says on the cover, some of the best British travel writing of this century. It's a fantastic book. I mean, every story I've read so far, I feel like I'm in that place with the writer, which is a mark of a good travel story isn't it so and you've done this during lockdown so it's kept you busy so just tell me a little bit about the process how did you manage to choose what was going to be in the book and what wasn't yeah it was tough (laughs) a lot a lot tougher than I thought it was going to be actually I didn't really um think about it properly when I when I pitched the idea to Somersdale the publishers but Yes. When I came up with this idea, it was, we were in lockdown. It was the second lockdown in the UK. And the reason I pitched it was because, you know, as a travel writer, I went from traveling full time to suddenly not traveling at all. And I lost all my commissions overnight. So I had no work from one day to the next. Uh, So I took a lot of comfort in reading travel writing. I actually read more travel writing than I'd ever read before during these lockdown months, as so many people did. Uh, So as kind of a celebration of what travel writers do, which I I think is, is actually very kind of not celebrated enough because travel writers really do put in a lot of work, not, not to sell holidays, but to actually help people understand cultures and people that they would never meet any other way so I wanted to celebrate that and I I knew that choosing the best of anything is very very difficult and I wouldn't be able to do it uh, on my own so I approached other amazing travel writers that are much better known than myself <laughs> which are Leveson Wood, Manisha Rajesh and Simon Wilmore they're very well respected in the travel industry and we actually asked travel writers we put a call out on social media to submit their what they believe to be their best work over the last 20 years. So I think it was important for us to ask travel writers 
to, to think about, to reflect on their work and go, actually, I'm really proud of this piece, you know, rather than us deciding for them. So we did that and we received hundreds, <laughs> so many submissions. There was so, so many. Um, so it took me months. It took me months to read through but I put together, myself and Simon put together a shortlist. And from that shortlist, the four of us, Leveson, Manisha, Simon and I put to, you know, chose 30 stories. But oh my goodness, it was hard. There were so many good ones. I bet it was hard, but a labour of love, I think. What a treat to be given all these amazing travel articles to read. And like I say, just reading it now, I, I feel like I've been taken to Africa and and you know the outskirts of of the jungle in Mexico or whatnot. It's uh, it's a really fantastic read. So to you, what makes a good travel story? Because I, I loved what you said there about you know the job of a travel journalist. We aren't travel agents. We are there not just to sell holidays. Obviously, we're talking about destinations and we want to shine a light on them and to make people want to go. But it's it's very much more about understanding the community there the landscape the culture etc so with that in mind what to you is classed as a good travel story what what bar has it got to hit to be in this book for instance oh wow yeah that is is such a hard question and probably a debate that travel writers will just fight the death on actually um but personally I like travel stories that teach me something. I like travel stories that will help me understand um, something about a place, even a place that I've been to and that I think I know. They show me a totally different side or they're, they're educating me. And that's what I think travel writing, where travel writing is really, really important. It's that it has a way of making us feel something for a country that that we we don't have any relationship to. I think that's what travel writing does really, really well. It makes us, it brings out emotions in us that help us empathize with cultures, communities, initiatives that in a, in a normal day-to-day life we don't get to hear about and that don't get put into mainstream media because mainstream media is focused on you know on the bigger news and it, it it never makes it so travel writing is this little area in the literature world where we get to hear people's stories and it's so so rare that people you know get to sit down and listen to someone's story so i think that's that's when travel writing for me is brilliant when it's just managed to make me feel something for a person who is miles away from me yeah, I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there. I mean, when I think of, you know, proper travel writing, that's what I'm thinking of. And travel photography as well, I think. Um, the pictures I love most are pictures of locals in, in the environment and the place they've come from. And, you know, just, just summed up in that one image, you can tell a lot about a place, its people, its cultures, you know, all of that. Not just the glossy pictures of foods that you see in magazines, but portraits and and you know real true photos that tell a story 
Um, and it's the same with proper travel stories. I like to say I'm here like waving my fingers, proper travel writing, um, because you do inevitably have to write the travel restriction rules. And, you know, you have to write about the places which, you know, will make a bit of money for the publication, etc. But, you know, the other part of our job is, is like you say, is to tell it, really educate someone about a country or a culture. And, and a lot of the time, particularly with places like Mexico, which tends to get a bit of a bad rep in mainstream media. It's about going beyond that, isn't it? And a bit of myth busting as well. And, you know, showing that there is so much more to a country than the main headlines, um, which is fantastic. Absolutely. I think there's something about inspiring. I think travel, really good travel writing will make you curious. It won't necessarily answer all your questions, but it'll make you more aware and more curious so when you go to a destination you are already asking the right questions and I think that's that's what travel writing does does really well and a lot of people say you know before they go to a destination they will want to read a lonely planet book but I said actually you know great read the guidebook but also read literature from that also read travel stories because yeah it won't necessarily it might not tell you what time the restaurants are open but it will tell you how to approach that country and it will it will help you travel in a way that makes you see the place as somewhere that has a living culture then you can enjoy it through people's stories rather than ticking off monuments and things like that so yeah, travel writing. Definitely read some travel writing before you go traveling. <laughs> some actual travel writing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I interviewed a, I've interviewed a couple of rough guide book authors or whatnot, so they'll probably like hate me for for this. But oh. um, they're both important. Okay, just read oh, yeah. it all before no. you go away. <laughs> I use guides. I guides are so important. I definitely that's not to discredit them. I use guides, but use both because yes. they're so different. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. So what's next for you then, Jess? I know you've just mentioned you're off on a little holiday to France uh, next week. Um, And now that the world's opening back up again, do you have any big projects planned over the next year or so? Yes. Well, I'm just recovering from from the book launch and just being on a a massive high from from that. Um, But yes, I am going on my first holiday in a while. Not not work. I'm going to try not to work because that is Something that us travel writers, uh, as you know, find it very, very hard to do is to go on holiday and not write a story. But um, yes, going to France and then I'm going to spend a month in Costa Rica. Oh, I'm very so fun. jealous. I really want to go to Costa Rica. <laughs> so um, if ever I do make it over there, I'll be coming to you for tips. But oh, yes. yeah, it's funny you say that. I think as well, when you go on a holiday and you completely relax and you say you're not going to work, that's when you spot a really good story, isn't it? It's always the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> always the way. So true. Yeah. <laughs> but hopefully you can relax and nothing goes on and you can just enjoy you know flaking out or whatever you do on holiday um but it's been fantastic speaking to you Jess like I say I'm loving the book so far and I will continue to read and go on a little adventure each evening um and best of luck with your future projects and travels it's been really great talking to you oh thank you so much thank you I'm so happy you've enjoyed it <laughs>